hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Welcome back to a Hamster with a Blunt Penknife. I am having terrific fun with Stephen. Say hello, Stephen. Hello. Can you just say hello, Stephen, just once? Hello, Stephen. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah, someone does it every <laughs> once a story. And you're clearly the only uh, non-smart ass that I've had on because you haven't done it. So thank you. I haven't done it yet, I guess. I guess I, I've grown up with George and Gracie enough to uh, to know that that's uh, – is it passe now? I don't know. <laughs> swung back around. Nobody knows who George and Gracie is other than the whales in Star Trek Four. That's probably who people think they are. I was just going to say that. I have no idea who you're talking about, but I know the whales in The Voyage Home. <laughs> they were named after George Burns and Gracie Allen because uh, George Burns used to say, say goodnight to the folks, Gracie, and Gracie would say goodnight to the folks, Gracie. Oh, then, well, I'll tell you what. That's not a, a line of humor that's gotten old because I've done 50 <laughs> of these, and this is the only one where someone hasn't done it automatically. Okay. <laughs> Shall we skip into episode four? Please do. Okay, doke. I will count us in in five, four, three, two, one. Let's talk fun or too much right. fun. Uh, yeah, I think I could see why people thought maybe parts of season 17 were a little too far to the fun side. Honestly, I think at times it sort of it came across as like just. Uh, a little sloppy production. I mean, yeah, hordes of Naimon. There's some like really weird <gasps> bits, like touch creeping in, in there. Yeah, some Jesse <laughs> the Daleks. I mean, uh, you know, I think I think it needed the the director of of these shows probably needed to rein things in a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and I think we got sort of got that in season eighteen, which I also adore. I love season eighteen two bits. But do you know, um, okay, I'm a massive fan of B-movies, yeah, and sort of <laughs> much of season 17 is essentially a B-movie. And really so so when it does trip over into, like, farce and not very good farce, I'm, right. kind, of, I'm kind of there for that. But that's just personal taste. Yeah, I think seasons, I mean, it's it's season 15 is fascinating because you can tell instantly which uh, are the three stories uh, script edited by Robert Holmes on his way out the door yeah. and which are done by Anthony Reid. Uh, yes. <laughs> the, the, the really horrific ones, honestly, possibly even more horrific than um, stuff during the Hitchcock being Image of the Fendal and Horror of Fang Rock. Mm. And then, of course, wrote the Sunmakers. And then you get Underworld and you get uh you know invasion of time and that sort of thing but this this i find season 16 is just the right mix of like it's the it's the one season uh that graham williams actually gets to make without anything truly calamitous happening being a you know story falling out like city of death or invasion of time or or getting canceled like shada was you know and I just feel like everyone sort of pitches it at just the right tone. We get Tom Baker with, you know, very flippant, but also instantly very serious. Um, I think we lose sort of the serious aspects a little bit in season 17, but it's still fun. I, I think this um, is like peak Tom, because I think he's he still got the gravitas of like the Hinchcliffe is, if you need to mm-hmm. see it, but he's having so much fun as well. And I think like in terms of confidence, this is, this is his year, you know, scenes with yeah. um, Beatrix Lehman in Stones of Blood. Oh, like God. that's yeah. just gold isn't it he there's i i think honestly peter davison also sort of acts well across um older female guest stars yeah. like i think in Nares hughes and kinda and mm-hmm. um 
uh, what's her name from uh, The Awakening as well. Like I, I find that he actually did better with a mature oh, female companion, sure. while the the standard companions are off having their own story. Uh, and not then, not yeah, sure about Lisa Goddard in Terminus, but we'll, not we'll as much there. That. But you could kind of see. I mean, if she was maybe fifteen years older, maybe <laughs> weren't. Um, you just said about season eighteen, though. We always talking about um, having too much fun, and then, and then it's obviously scaled back. And there was this thing about you know too much silliness before. Let's scale it back. This always makes me laugh when I hear it in like the interviews from Chris Rich with me, John Nathan Turner, mm-hmm. because the second story they made was Megalos. And that's the most absurd Doctor Who story I've ever seen. <laughs> but it's it's made with such, you know, in the style of season eighteen. It's all very nineteen eighty. I love it. Uh, you know, the music, the uh, the the scene, scene sync, sync uh, yeah. effects in it, which I adore. But it is, um, but it's essentially a, a big fart. It's about a giant it, cactus trying it, to take over the universe. You know, it like, really is, isn't it? If I, you 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 don't think that because you're outside of the trappings. You don't have yeah. the multicolored scarf anywhere. You don't have the Dudley Simpson sort of you know comfort you know comfortable music. You have this weird spacey, harsh tones, rattle nature of music from Peter Howland. Uh, Patty Kingsland, and you've got the, you know, the, the sets are sort of, uh, you know, it's a little more harsh and white, bright white and stuff. You know, we never really had it, it is in the the era of brown. Um, yeah. In the JNT era, is... I absolutely say you can tell the tone of the story, of the era, sorry, by um, the quality of the, uh, the thugs. So you've got the thugs in uh, Megalos who yeah. are very laughable. But then you've got the thugs in uh, Case of Androzani, which are d- very serious and oh, very yeah. violent. Yeah. And then you've got the thugs in Derek and the Bannermen. Let's not go there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Indicative of their script tone, maybe. Yeah. Know. Okay, so we're in episode four, and as of yet, I have not seen a, a, a death-defying, you know, universe-spanning threat emerge. No. It's 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 what will happen to the kingdom. I mean, you know. So essentially, the uh, threat is is the marriage, isn't it? It's it's um, it's very Princess Bride. This is basically yeah. Doctor Who is a Princess Bride in a way. You no, know, not necessarily the, the the plot, but just the the feel of it. You know. Oh, she's talking. Same... She's talking, Stephen. Finally. That's true. I mean, it's rare for an actor to actually have three different performances essentially yeah. in the same show i can i can i can't think of that I, I can i can think of um it's not three performances but it, in trout in, in the middle of the world you've got the doctor the salamander you've got salamander playing the doctor and the doctor playing salamander so it's almost like four roles there you know? yeah but trout is so so good that he can pull, pull all of them off it's uh it's you know I haven't seen a lot of the stuff, but I've heard about a lot of the stuff about how oh there's a show oh yeah Patrick Troughton is the man and like you know that man went from three years of Doctor Who like the next week into what this uh, Mary Wives of Windsor or something like that yeah. into like a new series like he was never out of work if he didn't want to he was such a prolific actor. And I watch him in something like Box of Delights like he is the delight in the Box of Delights. I that I I know of that show. I have it somewhere. My friend Simon. After don't tell Simon, me you haven't seen that. I haven't seen it though. Uh, you know, it's not the obviously it's not the the uh, the Christmas classic on this side of the pond that it is over there. Uh, I would have um, thought that that you know the the soothing tones of Roger Lim's music would have been your <laughs> in there. 
I haven't watched it yet, but I, I, I know I will because I did sneak a quick peek uh, and I do quick peek, quick peek and it was, uh, um, it looked like it was videotape on yeah, location, it is, which it always is. amused me. So yeah, this might be a thing I might have to dig into. It's, it's as lovely a production as this though, in terms of the visuals that they pull off. Right. I don't, uh, what's the name of this actor playing the prince? That's uh, Neville Jason. I think he died relatively like in the last year or two. Oh, I think. really? I say he's really leaning into like the romantic hero, isn't he? You, you he fiend! Is. You know, <laughs> he's got like a Douglas Fairbanks uh, feel to him. It's it's a very good performance. You know, it's it's very difficult to be the the hero of the piece because it's not as interesting, um, is it? It's not as fun. No, but it's it's it's. That doesn't make it any less important, though. You know, his role is important. He has to sort of be the straight-laced hero. This is kind of why I, I credit Mark Hamill in Star Wars, which of course you've only just seen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, he is in the original trilogy. I'm talking about for the most part here. He is the you know he's the straight-laced hero. He needs to sort of be the one around which you know Han Solo wouldn't be as cool as Han Solo is if he didn't have Luke Skywalker yeah. to be compared to. Um, and it's such a it's such an important role, and you could you could do it blandly and badly and be unmemorable, but Luke Skywalker and Mark Hamill is anything but uh, unme unmemorable. I feel like Neville Jason has a little nice little bit of charm to him as well. You, you know, because he has to be sort of the the hero, but he also is, you know, he has to be a future king. Yeah. Um, so there's there's a certain regal stature to him. Well, he I absolutely um, believe that. But if you listen to him on, if you see him on the documentary, yeah, that yeah. is him. He's not acting. He he no. literally is sitting there, you know, upright, as if he has a palace behind him. You know, in real life, mm -hmm. he's 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 very charismatic. Uh, a rare um, night shoot here in yeah. uh, nineteen or classic Doctor Who. Uh, they did not do night shoots very often. I want you to watch the siege very carefully to see if they managed to convince you that there were more people <laughs> than there was. And um, yeah, <laughs> oh gosh, now there's a particularly good piece of dialogue in a minute as he's cutting through this door. Do <laughs> <laughs> like the hats too. <clears throat> but there's also like um, easily like the best sword fight we ever saw in Doctor Who. It's in stunning. This. It really is. I and a lot of it is uh is Tom Baker too. I mean as as later on I think it's probably Terry Walsh doing some of it, but although I think mostly Terry Walsh I think is um doing the Grendel bits, I think, because he got the mask on. But you can't put a helmet on Tom Baker. But there's no there's none of that sort of oh I can see Terry Walsh, I can see John Pertwee in it, is there? Yeah. It's... You can always tell as Terry I mean the, you know, as much as he tries that the body language is different. Um, Except for really tell it. Monster Peladon, where you know he looks straight into the camera and says, "No, it is no," you know. Yeah, that's right. They dub it on later. I mean, <laughs> you could really tell it in in Santarin experiment, but I feel like you know that was such a emergency thing. I had to take over for him because of Tom Baker's broken collarbone that he didn't have a chance to sort of like mimic his movements that much. You could really sort of tell it's not Tom Baker running up from you know being shot from behind. Um, and it's unusual, like it's it's not like a grandstanding performance from the Doctor in the climax, which it normally is. It's yeah. it's a it's a grandstanding fight, you know, and mm -hmm. that's that's the genre, isn't it? It is just a classic sword fight at the end of the uh, the classic serial here. It, it's um, you know, you know where that sword fight is taking place. Is that a set or is that in the castle? Because it looks it's massive. in the castle. I'm, oh, okay. I'm, I don't. I'm not sure they ever shot anything in Ealing. I think it's all 
in the in the castle. Anything you see on film is on location. As far as I know, I don't think they ever went to Ealing for any of this. So, oh, okay, okay. Will you will, will you indulge me with a line reading in a minute, <laughs> please? <laughs> I, I won't Here hear it. <laughs> the blood pen knife would do it quicker oh, there it is <laughs> i can't even tell you why i was like yeah that's a great title for a podcast yeah because honestly for a long time i was like oh no <laughs> it seems to have stuck though i'm seeing like hamster emojis everywhere like you know, oh like... nice i do like that the kid eyes sort of like this you told me to be quiet yeah <laughs> he's cheeky canine isn't he he's, he's got yeah. a sardonic sense of humor I think he enjoys him... winding the doctor up. <laughs> I think so too. I like his little bits of like, we'll give him a day off school. Blow it from uh, Invasion of Time. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite out of character canine lines. <laughs> Blow it. Oh, I, do, I love the bit where he's pretending to be evil in the Armageddon factor. Yeah. And he's he's completely panto, isn't he? <laughs> he's uh, loving it. I mean, look, look at, at this stuff. Comes. This stuff looks yeah. terrific. What a, what a joyous wedding march down to <laughs> these uh, Are you married? I'm assuming it was a lot more joyous than that. Uh, well, it took place at a Doctor Who convention in a brightly lit uh, <laughs> downstairs room at the LAX Marriott. Are you um, for real? That's, that's amazing. Yeah, we did. I mean, you know, we mostly got married just so it would be an easier way for uh, Erica to move here. Uh, we're, we're not, we're, we, we don't stand on tradition here. And we just thought, let's just do it at the Doctor Who convention because most of our friends will be there anyway. So, I was allowed one thing, one Doctor Who thing. At, so my my ex husband. Uh, uh, so we had a photo booth. So I snuck mm -hmm. in a Cyberman and a Dalek helmet, and every photo people are wearing them. <laughs> he was livid. It was amazing. Oh, come on, Tom. Nice. It's time nice for your bit fight. of comedy coming up here. Yeah. <laughs> I love the I love the fact that um, during the wedding vows he's just leaning against the wall. He's like, "No, no, she won't." Like uh, that's his entrance. But I don't know. I just don't know if Doctor Who's ever looked quite so gorgeous. It's sumptuous, isn't it? The uh, the the gown that Stella's got on there, or the, the lighting the there as well. Yeah. Like, it really does belie that that argument I was talking about earlier about there being no money. Yeah. I mean, obviously not. Um, lit by candlelight, but it's yeah, moody, though, isn't it? Like there, there is, there is a floodlit look to the eighties. There really is. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know why people were so worried about. Oh, we can't see anything. Well, listen, TV technology in nineteen seventy-eight was probably a lot less than it was in nineteen eighty-three. Yeah. Um, but I think, God, the eighties was just bright. I mean, you look at anything from the nineteen eighties; it's yeah. just bright. All the game shows, what it was. the news, yeah. you know. You got to oh, wear sunglasses to watch most of it. I know. I love the the. There's some lovely. Uh, Michael Mays is doing lots of uh, reaction shots to like. Mm -hmm. um, is this going to work? Are we going to pull this off? Between like the guard captain, uh, yeah, Reinhardt, Romana, the Archimandrite. Because the Archimandrite knows, right? He knows this is a sham. But he's going through with it because that's his duty, you know. He's probably done a few sham marriages over the years for, <laughs> yeah. for the sake of uh, for king and country. 
I love the fact as well, that scene in the cell earlier where uh, Grendel literally spells out his plan. Yes, and you're going to get married, and then you're going to yeah. suffer an unfortunate end, <laughs> and then I will marry your bride. Yeah. He's terrific. But you're, you're going to be up, you know, penned up here anyway, so I can tell you with impunity and not have to worry about <laughs> you stopping my plan. Because let's face it, any, anyone wants to tell their people their plan when they think they're clever. Uh, I, I totally get why these supervillains in uh, in movies and TV shows outline them. Well, because they, they don't think at any point that anyone is going to stop them. Mm -hmm. Their hubris is enormous. Yeah. And that literally summed up the Doctor there. He was like, you seem to have a habit of getting in my way. And he's like, yes, yes, I do. That's uh, the Doctor in a nutshell, isn't it? He's the best swordsman in the Reminds me of one of my favorite lines from the King's Demons. Going, he is he is said to be the best swordsman in France. Well, thankfully, we are in England. Yeah. <laughs> before fighting the master. Uh, I'm, a bit I'm a bit worried <laughs> about getting around to the King's Demons, you know. I'm a bit difficult with that one. Oh, see, so I love this because you know that it, you, you think that, oh, it's just Don Baker being silly. No, no, it's the doctor being silly to try and take Grendel off his guard. I think it might be the one time when I've seen a villain slap the Doctor on the arse as well. Yeah. <laughs> Although I think the Rani kicked the Master in the nuts at one point. He did, yeah, at the mark of the Rani. Oh, he's just I... he's just at the top of his game, right? he's loving it. Yeah. Like he must have got this script. I bet he didn't call this one wicked shit. <laughs> Sorry. No. <laughs> And, and the, there's a certain, I mean, there's a generation of actors because of, you know, uh, Shakespeare plays and other, other classical material that basically you had to sort of become mildly adept at sword fighting because that's what, you know, it called for. I, lo I love that. He goes, oh. yeah, I'm a bit bored by all this, he said. Yeah, I, lo I love that. I love it sort of, huh, well, and then immediately back down to serious again. Uh, what about the story about uh, Lawrence Payne? He lost the, the sight in one eye, didn't he, due to a sword he fight? He did, yeah. In between um, the gunfighters and Ledger Hives. But, uh... Is that why he's wearing those glasses in The Two Doctors, those sunglasses? I don't know if he's wearing it, no, because you can, I, I, maybe you can't tell in Ledger Hive that he has a, a false eye, but I think he's wearing glasses in Two Doctors because it's 1985. Um... <laughs> He's got these outlandish things on. Everybody's wearing outlandish things in 1985. Yeah. Perry's trussed up like she's about to go in the oven, isn't she? Well, literally uh, in that one. <laughs> I mean, that is a remarkably aggressive uh, sword, sword fighting style. Well, you wait till they go out uh, like oh, into, into the castle. It's vicious. It's, it's just thrashing about with these foils, yeah. Okay, can I just admire for a second a POV shot of a sword yeah. in front of the camera going to what? That's, that's very creative. It is creative, and you know, it's something that you know we're shooting multicam here, so like, there's he's shooting a kind of like as best he can on in a TV studio because this is something as we'll see, it's shot mostly on location at the tail end of it. But you know, the problem with shooting sword fights in studio with multicam on one take is that you've got to try to find the time to sort of get all these alternate angles in, like that one shot yeah. that we saw. It takes some of the more adept directors, doesn't it? I, I remember like with uh, Peter Grimway in Earthshock, where there was, I can't remember, it was like a hundred and something setups in one so episode. Many, there's so many shots. Yeah. To be done in a couple of hours. And like, that's madness. No yeah. wonder nobody liked him. Like, 
No, you needed that sort of like brutish efficiency to get everything in the can. You know, that they didn't shoot, they didn't get extra shooting days on that thing. They shot them because like six, seven days in the studio. Oh, here we go, Stephen. There it is. Are they convincing you that they're an army? Look at that. Well, this is this is the great thing is that it the stakes are so low that our his army amounts to six guards. You know. <laughs> He's got six guards to his name. Do you know, I never noticed that, though. Like, that's the sort of thing that gets pointed out, yeah. that it's an army of six. And I'm like, I never noticed when I was watching. Yeah. Why would you have a full frontal assault? You're, just, you're trying to sneak into the castle at this point, you know? Oh, no. I mean, I was just convinced it was an army. I just didn't yeah. notice it was only six people. This might be Walsh here. Uh, maybe. Because well, I don't even know anymore. Honestly, Tom Baker's uh, Buffon had grown to the size of Terry Walsh's uh, wig, I think, at this point. I'm getting shades of carrot sticks there, you know, Stephen. Yeah. Oh, the camera light got talked over there. What, that you say it's, it was that vicious? The, the camera got in Yeah. Guys, guys, it was just television. <laughs> oh, this is this is odd, this scene, because he sort of comes in and starts laughing at her in a very like, sort of lechy way. Like, what's he going to do I here? don't know. I don't want to know. Yeah. I'm glad she knocked him over the head with a pot, though. I, I, uh, oh, well, oh day, no, it's not a pot, it's a painting. One day I want to, like, be knocked over the head with a painting. Like, I've seen that happen <laughs> in enough <gasps> cartoons. Like, does uh, it really daze a person to a point where you're like, oh, I just got not, I got hit on the head with some canvas. Well, I'm Doctor Who fans, they, they have previous, don't they? Zoe in the War Games, doesn't she knock uh, the guy in the prison over the head with a vase yeah or joe does it with a vase in day of the daleks yeah well, there's, there's a lot of that going on we're advocating violence here to children it's see li listen uh, like well, we can't listen because we've got the sound down yeah. but tom baker's like really serious here listen, listen. Yeah. yeah i love the way he said that Great! yeah Stephen, that was so good it's like he's here <laughs> It's like I've watched this a few times and wanted to uh, oh, mimic it. Okay, now come oh, on. I want God. you to do another line reading for me. How I can't possibly go on. That. Next time, what? I shall not be so lenient. What a, that's Terry Walsh doing the dive. Uh, and the fact that he gets the never. musical sting as well. Yeah. <laughs> there has never been a better exit for a villain in Doctor no. Who. And they've, they've tried. They've tried some goodens. But they've no. tried, but they've because they know that this exists. And they're sort of mimicking. They're doing their own spin on it, you know. Oh, we get we no get a really a fun little coder in a minute where it's like, oh, oh, what about the key to time? Oh yeah, that thing. Yeah, Sorry. <laughs> that's right. I can't tell what uh, I can't remember where that came from. Like, was it an intention from the beginning? Let's not focus it on it too much. Or did they basically have a story from David Fisher to go? Ah, I get dealt with. I don't want to deal with this. Well, there, it's, it's sort of woven into Stones of Blood, but not really, is it? It's it's, no. it's 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 a plot point, but at the end we see what the source of her power is. Essentially, yeah. it's that kind of like at the uh, Power of Crawl too, but. Look, the guy gets in his way. No, <laughs> <laughs> Tom Baker's line there of like, "Oh, why was he supposed to be good?" That's yeah. great. He's just. I'm sorry. He's like the the essence of cool in this. Yeah, they're fairly confident that uh, Cursor there is. Um, yeah, is going to be knocked. Oh, he's, oh, oh, he's <laughs> falling over. <laughs> yeah, it's a good acting on his part. But you know, that's pretty effortless split screen as well. Yeah. I'm always impressed by uh, split, uh, split screen of the day. 
Oh, do you know what? I, 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 for a moment there, I thought Strella was Romana. Romana was Strella. Until, until Romana smiled, I was a bit confused. Who was who? <laughs> oh, look, and there's hit another rare thing, a kiss. I know I was going to say that. As, like, this is a, what I kind of like about Doctor Who, <laughs> that there's no hanky-panky. Uh, but, you know, in watching uh, original series Star Trek, obviously there's a lot more romance mm. in those days. But, of course, you know... Um, Gender relations have moved on, I think, perhaps since 1967. And did, so did you watch elements... those in order? Did you watch the original oh, series? Oh God, I watched the very first episode. You know, when Shatner tells that guy, you know, there's no right way to hit a woman. They go, Oh wow! You... Oh, well, quite early on, there's the one where he's split into two by the transporter, and he goes to Yeoman Rand's yeah. quarters. That scene is so uncomfortable to watch. It's very difficult to watch. Things have moved on since then, and I mean, thankfully, we've... we we didn't have elements of that in but for most of classic doctor who though no, i can only think there. of like vasor in keys of yeah. Mariners. you know comedy comedy rape that's yeah. an entirely oh, different thing well all uh, i'm gonna say is i'm pleased we cut away from strella and the prince there because i don't know what yeah. was going on after that and i don't need to know exactly and so because of that like you know i feel like that things haven't uh haven't had the opportunity to age as badly because they never did it in the first place. So this this ending, oh, it's yeah. Canine master, master. <laughs> having a having a laughing doctor at the end of an episode, like yeah. Ah, oh, wow, that okay. That's that is probably the most fun you're going to have this season, isn't it? I think it is so much fun. Stones of Blood is great fun. Pirate Planet is great fun. But this is you know. Would you know? I, I've always said the uh, the David Fisher stories, including Creature from the Pit. I think kind of like um, gag for gag can match the Douglas Adams ones. They are as funny, I think. I think so. I mean, City of Death is its own yeah. entity, but um, <laughs> yeah, that's all fun though. I'm, I'm, I never compare them. Uh, so we've got a little bit of time. I'm going to ask right. you the question I ask everybody at the end of this. Okay. Um, on the back of us doing that commentary, why should somebody go and grab Androids of Tara right now and stick it on? Because it's remarkable fun. It's Doctor Who does a fairy tale, uh, which is always a lot of fun. There's castles, there's princesses, there's there's kings, there's swashbuckling, doubles, sword fighting, and all with a bit of laser bolts and, and just and fishing. Uh, and fishing. There's that too. It's uh, it's just the most it's one of the most magical Doctor Who stories. I I, I think I, I stumbled on it earlier. It's Doctor Who does the Princess Bride, um, not necessarily in story, but in in the feel of it all. I think it's sort of it's very much a uh, in that line of thinking. So yeah, it's a uh, it's when I think about it, you know, we've been talking about how how magical uh, the Williams era is and more of a fairy tale, but I think all of that is sort of most most uh, emblematic in the androids or androids of tara it perhaps is the most graham williams yeah. of graham's williams stories like this era in a microcosm isn't it it is it really is and so before we go um if should anybody not know i doubt they won't but where can they find your other podcasts well, we can find Radio Free Scarrow at RadioFreeScarrow.com and the memory cheats at TheMemoryCheats.com and that's pretty sure <laughs> we're at LazyDoctorWho.com and one day we'll get back to uh, to watching episodes on a more um, uh, basic <laughs> basis that we haven't sort of been doing more the past little bit, but uh, yeah, uh, hopefully we'll get there. Uh, I, I'm one of those people we, that when, when you do drop an episode of Lazy Doctor Who, I'm like yeah. bouncing up and down, oh my god, it's there! <laughs> like, 
<laughs> I know that there are some people that say, oh, are, have you done any more recently? So, we're getting, we'll, we'll try uh, it. See, I would we're never push that. I would never be asking you because I'm thinking no, that. No, I know. We're not, I mean, the med, we're not quite in the mental headspace to watch Doctor Who talk about it quite yet, but I, I, I sense we're getting there. Once we get vaccines in our arms, I'm sure we'll be a lot more enthusiastic about the world in general and see uh, watching Doctor Who for a podcast as, as comforting again. And uh, when it happens, um, yeah. Well, you'll know. We're definitely getting there, aren't we? We are. Yeah, we are indeed. Stephen, thank you very much. So much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much.